Welcome you to River Church this evening. We're on fire for the Holy Ghost. We've got Jesus big in our hearts, and we, we are winning at every part of our life. So I want you to listen this evening to the Word of God, and we're going to minister on that you can know how your life will turn out. Now, isn't that a provocative little title? You can know how your life will turn out. So turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 29, and we'll go there. This is our third time together with this. You might be wondering, I don't know, if why does he go on and on week after week on the same thing? Does he not have anything else? I have found over and over, over many years, 40-something, that people come up to me on the sixth time we're in the series and says, I hadn't heard a word or understood a thing you've said until today. And it all came together. And that encourages me to just stay with it. And then I understand what the Word tells us about mastery, that it's not enough to know about something. We are called to master it. We must know how to get the sick healed. Not just extend our hand and say, God bless you and hope the Lord will do something for you. It's our job to absolutely get results. It's our job to be so well furnished in our personal lives that we never think about what it takes to get somebody helped or delivered because of our own financial dearth. Yeah, that's, we're covenant people. He became poor that we might be rich. By his stripes we were healed. So it says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law... Happy is he. Now I was thinking about a $100,000 car. Uh, they make them, and they're not even that rare, actually. Uh, you, you can buy a GMC decked out with all the goodies and Denali written on the side, and it'll be, they won't even blink when they say 85 grand. So, uh, and then you get Lamborghinis and whatever else is over there. So 100000 would be not even the, the end of the world. You wouldn't even gasp at that. But I want to tell you with, that this car or this truck is worthless if it does not have a $200 steering wheel. And I'll just, just tell you, it, you can go nowhere without a steering wheel. Even though, even though it'll take you over Riverdale and, and air condition you and, and you know, cool your coffee or whatever. It's worthless without a steering wheel. And actually, according to the Word, if the Word is true, and we know it is, where there is no vision, no progressive vision, the people perish. Now, if that was true, then we are always on the edge of perishing simply because we don't have a steering wheel in our born-again, God-given, son and daughter of God life. Without a steering wheel, we are pretty useless and pretty frustrated about it. And lots and lots and lots of Christians are frustrated. Do you all believe that? They're frustrated, even though they're born again and God's sent Jesus to fix everything, yet they have no steering wheel. So they sit in those nice leather seats and smell the smell and, and hit the buttons and turn on the radio and recline and everything, but it never comes out of the driveway unless there's a steering wheel. Well, we need a steering wheel. Uh, the, the truck or the car is useless without the attributes to make it under control. And you and I must have, we need in our life, all these things that are designed to do so much 
We can do anything. We can move mountains. But if we don't have a vision, then the attributes that are in us are useless. We must have control. If we don't, whatever you don't control will control you. That's pretty common. So uh, it says, where there's no vision, the people perish. The Passion says, where there is no prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. Do you know those Christians? They're everywhere. They wander astray. Ah, they go to church every once in a while. Somebody's telling me a story this week about uh, he, he ran into somebody that said, I'm a Christian, but I don't think you have to go to church, and I don't think you have to believe the Bible. And you go, how did you get that? Well, he must have had an experience with lots of Christians that don't go to church and don't believe the Bible. They're, they're non-believing believers, so to speak. They, they believe the Bible is the Bible, but they don't believe what the Bible says. So, like this car or this truck, we could say that vision steers your life. doesn't mean that you won't be rolling, but it just might mean that without a steering wheel, without vision, you're just existing. You're just going down a road, just going out in the country, just, just wandering around and, and saying, woohoo, someday we're going to heaven, yay, yay, but not getting anything done while we're here. And there is a reason why we're here, and it's to get some things done. Amen. So, you know, we talked about it Sunday, that if you pull on the reins of a horse, the horse will turn. You don't have to get out there and, you know, move the legs and push the tail end around or whatever. You just, just pull the reins, the bit will respond, and the horse, 1,500, 2,000 pound horse, will move with a gentle nudge. Same thing with the boat. Gazillions of tons of boat and huge and engines as big as this room and yet some little doodly-doo up in the captain's house up in the what do you call that the y'all know what it is where the where they control everything the control center whatever it is up there he just he just spins it around or hits a button or whatever and this behemoth just starts turning and you go how can that be well that's how life is is that you, it's not physical, it's spiritual. So I say, y'all just think about it, I say you can know how your life will turn out. I, can, I believe that if I had your checkbook, or if you had mine, and had it 10 minutes and go, could go down the, ch- the stubs or the register, we could know how your life's going to turn out. Because money is the absolute indicator of what we do. We say we'll do this and we say we can do that, but what you do with your money absolutely tells on us. Now, people don't like that, but that's my observation. So uh, if we can know how our life's going to turn out, then it must be because we can steer it. I can steer my life. I can steer my life. We should steer our lives. Well, God's in control. He's not getting much done to be so good and so great and in control. It's not happening very good. And the truth is, he's not in control. He's in control of the angels. But even one of those guys got loose one day a long time ago. And so uh, it's up to us. And the Lord wants us to choose him. If you see people that have emptiness in their life, and we just got through talking about this season 
how people are empty. And it's not that they're just now empty at Christmas. They've been empty all year. But the pressure or the memory or the emotions brings them to acknowledge their emptiness and to uh, and be hopeless and be desperate. Uh, the reason is, is they don't have a purpose. When you have a purpose, you just move past stuff, don't you? You ever been without a purpose? Ever had a little season in your life you just didn't know what to do? Uh, people that uh, lose loved ones, either their, their, uh, their uh, army guy didn't come back or you know, was otherwise taken out, and they just leave that room like it was because they're just fixated. They're locked on the life that was. And so actually it was a double murder. It was a double loss. The uh, individual, the child or whatever went to heaven, but then it wiped out the parents too. Even though they're still there and breathing and picking the squash and all that. So uh, I say, based on the scripture here, let me read it again. Where there is no vision, the people perish. I say that vision is the GPS of your life. Uh, GPS tells you where you are. And if you, point, if you plug it in and say, this is my vision, I want to go to 19th Street, it'll tell you how to get there. And that's what a vision will do. And why would we in this day drag out a paper map and try to, try to go to downtown Savannah or uptown Birmingham or wherever with a paper map when all we have to do is just punch it in and it tells you just exactly how to get there. And Debra's will tell you if traffic's bad, go around. Can hardly tell you how many times I said, "Ah, it looks clear to me," and then 30 minutes later, I, we put it back in drive and inched up a little bit. Hallelujah! Uh, so the word vision here, without a vision, the people perish. There's lots of definitions, but one of it's blueprint. Without a blueprint, you know, nobody builds anything without a blueprint. Nobody builds anything good without a blueprint. I should say. Uh, it also means a battle plan. It means a strategy forward. What are we going to do? Well, we need a vision. We need to know where this thing's going. And before we know that, we need to know what our objective is. Why are we wanting to go up this hill and take this hill? Well, the objective is in war is you always control the high ground. So that's why we're going up this hill and fighting our way up it, not just to fight through the people but to get the high ground because then you can win the battle. Lookout Mountain is the perfect example of that. It was very strategic in the Civil War because it was the high ground, and whoever was on the mountain could control everything that was in the valley. Uh, it means the way in and the way out. How about that? So if you have a vision, you know the way in. You don't just know where you're going. You know the way in, and you'll know the way out. You might not know the way out when you're going in, but when you get there and start obeying and, un and, and uh, unraveling the mystery, then all of a sudden he'll show you more. I know why he doesn't show everybody both ends of it. I know why he didn't show me about Alabama and how long it's going to take and all the things. Because we couldn't handle both ends of it. All we could handle was glory, glory, glory. We're going to Alabama. Yay, yay. It sounded so much fun. <laughs> and by faith it was, but... There's a lot of other things, too. Uh, I, I also relate this to a bingo card, which we just related to. And uh, uh, me and Joey, we had, we had those uh, bingo cards that were 
from another set. You know, they, there wasn't any marbles to our, our, our cards. They were, you know, G703. You never saw that marble come up, did you? So, uh, but in, in, uh, in bingo, as you know, or other games like this, some numbers you get to move a piece, and then other numbers you notice that you look all over the N's or the G's, and you, you, there's nothing there that you can mark. And that's just how bingo is. And the first one that gets a line or a blackout gets to win. But what if life was like bingo and God only called out the numbers that were already on our card? What if every number that he called out, so to speak, I got that. Well, I got that one too. And I got this one. I got them all. Everyone he calls out, I've got those numbers. So we would have a blackout in no, no time and we'd have no blanks. I know that's a little bizarre, it's reaching a little bit, but actually, that's how God wants it. He wants us to hit every number every time. He doesn't want a day to be empty and nothing worked and the devil got advantage of us and people were mean to us and hurt our feelings and all that. He wants every day to be a victory day. Imagine that. looks like he would work on the law of averages and after you'd had enough bad days, God would throw in a good day, but he wants every day to be good. And the way he gets that done is if we stay on track. If we get off the track, the devil, he's out there. The curse, sin, the flesh, all these four factors are out there. But if we stay on the track in the spirit, dominating the flesh, taking authority over the devil, obeying the word, not sinning, we can't fail. You'll have a blackout or a whiteout, whatever you call when all the bingos. Turn with me to John. We, we got just a minute more. Let's turn to John chapter 16. I believe, and I'm going to endeavor to present it to us this evening, I believe that God has a unique, specific, and detailed plan for every one of our lives. Even though we are so the same in so many ways, we're, we're one of two genders, we're, we're, uh, we have different races, we have different... Uh, uh, certainly personalities, IQs, so many differences, but actually it's just like all the peas on your plate. They're all a little different, but you're going to eat them all. Well, that's the way it is in the kingdom. We're, we're all a little different, but we're all the same. But in our, in our uniqueness, the word talks about a body having many parts, and each part is of the same, of the body, but it, it plays a different part in our body. And we need all of us. Y'all say amen when it hits you. We need all of us. And so competition in comparison is when everybody thinks, well, look at them. They're special. And I want to be special too. Therefore, I'm going to be like them. And you have a competition. You have a comparison. And it's evil. Competition is evil. It is against the kingdom principles of I am uniquely and specially made. The word says wonderfully made. What, what's the other part of that word, that scripture? Fearfully and wonderfully made. That's it. Now, he didn't just throw some parts in the corner to see what would happen. We're special. John 16, 13. I've got to get going here. Because uh, I just want to bring this out. I want you to be grounded in this like I've become. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, 
that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So why, why do we need that if everybody's got the same book, the same map, the same instructions? Why do we need him to show us things to come? Come, we'll just, we'll just put the, the book on the copier and just hand out everybody. Everybody does the same thing. No, we're specific. We're unique. And he shows us things to come. In Matthew chapter 6, in verse 10, it says, Thy kingdom come, the Lord Jesus said. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. So we're the mirror image of what's happening in heaven. It's right in heaven. It's perfect in heaven. He gets it right in heaven, but like I said, down here we got the flesh, the curse, the devil, and sin. And so sometimes we don't get it right, but he's telling us it could be right. Go back and redo that. In uh, the, the 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let me just take you through a few scriptures here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you don't turn there, I will, and we'll just... 1 Corinthians 2. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, Verse 6. Now, you know this verse. How be it, verse 6, we speak wisdom from them that are perfect, among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Can you say mystery? mystery. Let's say it better. Mystery. The Bible says that, that God speaks to us in a mystery. In other words, it's encrypted. It's, the devil can't understand the mystery of you, your specifics and your uniqueness and your, your calling and, and your, your willingness. Uh, we, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained. Look, look, look. God ordained before the world unto our glory. Before the world. So how long have you been in the mind of God? Well, I was born on January 9th. That's when he started with me. No, it was way back. Fearfully and wonderfully made, even back. Which none of the princes of this world knew, that wisdom, that mystery. For had they known that mystery, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, look, look, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them which love, that love him. Oh my, this is so good. Uh, for God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. What is the Spirit searching? For the, for the key to your life. Yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. But gosh, when I got born again, I got the Spirit of God. And He's inside. And He's talking. He's not over here saying, you know, I, I'm on your right shoulder and the devil's on. No, He's inside. And you can't separate Him from your spirit. I know we think, ah, oh, there's two spirits in us, Holy Spirit and my spirit. No, they, they came together. They joined together. And that's why we can't fail. Is because God's in us and He can't fail. And so he's in us. We can't fail. God will never say, that's a failure. He will never deny himself, the word says. He will never deny himself. For now we have received, verse 12, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, that we might know. 
I can know. You can know. We should know. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. So he doesn't know what's in him, what's calling him, where he's going. He has no GPS. He's got a paper map that 1938. <laughs> Uh, verse 15, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. For here it is, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who is that? Who has known the mind of the Lord? A great question, a big question, a powerful question. Oh, but we have the mind of Christ. It's us. You look at that scripture in Isaiah 55, it says, well, the, 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 God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Well, if you're not born again, that's it. His thoughts were higher than those dinglings. He said, uh, what else did he say? Uh, my thoughts, my ways are higher than man's ways. They were. But now, we know. If you don't know, you just hadn't stopped your busy life and the track that you're on and the way that you've been trained to go and the hurry, hurry. Your life is overbooked. And you don't know where you're going. You're just going, and it's working out. You're paying the bills, and you're eating, and you're getting the kids off to school, but you don't know what's going on. You have no idea where you are in the framework of heaven and God's plan for you. You don't know when it's turn left time or when it's stop and turn around time, like Pam was saying. It, not now. Not now. We need to know that. We need to know not now. And if we don't know, then we have no GPS in us, no spiritual GPS, and we don't know the plan of God. We're just wandering around hoping something will turn out. And you can live that way, and almost all Christians do live that way, but we don't have to. So we have to have a vision. We have to know. What's the big plan of my life? Are you supposed to be married or not married? Are you supposed to have six kids or 20? Sometimes you don't ever get to choose that. They just kind of come along. Till you had biology 101, you, you know, you, you, that's, <laughs> never mind, never mind. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, let's go there before I wander off. Ephesians chapter 1. But we should know the will, the vision, the dream of God in us. We should know the blueprint. We should know the strategy. We should know the way in and the way out. We should know. We would know all of it because some things are not seen clearly till we get close. But we can know where we're going. If they say go to Tuscaloosa, you, you, know, you may not know where, but you know when you're on the wrong road. And when you get here, then you know. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ah, here it is. Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Here it is according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That before the foundation of the world. Well, that's pre-planning. Y'all, that's, that's, that's having a blueprint. And then putting you in the right generation. And then putting me in the right, in, in a, with certain personality traits and desires and, and, uh, and things that cause me to be steered towards the direction naturally 
that I would want to go or that he would want me to go that'll work out my place before the foundation of the world. This, this thing isn't hit and miss. You can know what's going to come of your life. If you're on GPS, if you're on Holy Ghost, if you're on the plan and will of God, the vision, you can know where you're going to turn up. I know where I'm going with this. I'm as sure as if, you know, I read the paper this morning. I know exactly where, how it's going to turn out for me. And people have said, well, why did he do this and why did he do that? Because I know things that other people don't know and I'm not at liberty or obligation to tell them. All I have to do is do what I do and it turns out. And they'll go, oh, he must have known something. Well, that's the way you are. We know some things that are contrary to man's wisdom. We're doing things and not doing things that everybody's doing and not doing. And it's working out for us. Amen. It says in Psalm 139. Do we have time for that? Sure we do. Psalm 139. Let's look in verse 13. This is that verse that we were just looking at, and I, I just wanted to bring it. For thou, verse 13, for thou hast possessed my reins. That's a GPS scripture. Thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Um, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand." When I am awake, I, will, I am still with thee. And he goes on, but we'll stop there and just say, this thing, this thing isn't as loose as everybody has been acting. Like you never know what God's going to do. And, and I've heard many a pe- person over my life say, God don't care where you live. Grown men, God don't care where you live. Just pick out somewhere. Well, sure, you can. There's no lightning going to fall on you. No volcanic rocks going to come down the chimney. Likely, but it doesn't mean that's where he positioned you because he wants you to have certain neighbors and he wants you to be going to certain schools. And certain, It's all programmed, and as close as we can stay to it, it's not that you can't get back to the will of God, but it's never as fast and easy as getting it right the first time. And I am a testimony to that because I've been the long way around the mountain and then went again. It's like, really? The Lord said... You can't figure this out. We've already seen all these things once. There's nothing new here. Yay. Ah, okay. I'm, I'm on Philippians chapter 3. Let's just wrap this thing up. Are y'all convinced that we're fearfully and wonderfully made before the foundation of the earth and that your vision is your GPS? It's your, it's your bingo card if you, <laughs> if you want to go there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Moss told me one time, he looked at me across his desk in Gordo, Alabama, and he said, uh, heaven's way more complicated. No, not complicated. Heaven's way more detailed than anybody thinks. There's a lot going on there. And you know, we have minimized that vision of heaven. It's, it goes anywhere from little cherubs on the clouds and harps to just walking around, picking fruit, we don't know. 
but the Word knows. And, and I'm going to start a series after the first of the year on heaven. Because I think we ought to know. And the reason is, is you can't know when you're born again that you're going to heaven. You can read the Word and believe the Word and, and take hold of the Word, but a lot of people, it's like, how do you know? But what you do is you go to other parts of the Word that are provable. You bring your tithe into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not meet your tithe. You can prove that. You've got to walk it out, but you can prove that. You can lay hands on the sick and you can prove the Word works. Boom! They're healed. They know they're healed. They know what happened. And you know what happened. And it, there's no instance in, in humankind, unless you get into the, the dark arts or whatever, where that can happen. So we prove the word over here, which makes us have a confidence that I'm going to heaven. Because it's all in the same book. It's all in the same verse. It's all in the same place. If you can prove anything in the word, and we can, then we can prove all the word. So we ought to prove what the plan of God is for my life and your life. And we ought to giddy up. Now we could talk about this. That Somebody told uh, Debbie one time, she had two little ones. And she says, I think God's calling me to the mission field. Well, when would that be, darling? Right now. And, and so it's like, you don't know your season. You, this is not your season to go to the mission field as a single woman with two little kids. But duh. But you get, if you don't have a GPS, if you don't have a vision of how that thing works out and the time that's involved, then you will go to the wrong place and fail. And then blame God and blame whatever. Philippians chapter 3. I get off here. Chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 13. We looked at this Sunday. We'll look at it just right here. Brethren, long discourse here, but he says, Brethren... I count not myself to have apprehended. I have not arrived. But this one thing I do, I have arrived. I forget those things which are behind, and I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. He said, I can know some things. There's some things I hadn't finished. I'm not done. As long as I'm here, something could yet happen, and it should. But I do know what to do to get to that place, and that's to leave things behind. Failures will take you down. Not in what they failed, but the memory and the fear of it happening again and that loss of confidence. Well, if God didn't save me then, if God didn't save my little baby from dying then, if, if God didn't save my husband from this, that, and the other, well, then how do I know the other? Well, you, you were living in an immature, un, you didn't know enough. I didn't know enough. Have y'all ever been where you didn't know enough? But it didn't mean that God could, could, would, would do things that are contrary to his word just because it would hurt your feelings. There's consequences. And so he says, you've got to leave those things behind. If you're going to go forward, if you're going to do anything with your life, you've got to chop off yesterday because it's got death in it. I forget where it is now. I just thought of it. The scripture talks about Paul. Uh, uh, talking about uh, uh, death in, in our members. And I read one time a commentary where it meant that murderers back in that day were often chained to the corpse. 
And they had, because it talks about dragging about the body. And they were chained to the corpse. And, you know, that was a deterrent. So we, we can't be chained to the corpse of our yesterday. Did we mess up? Absolutely. Did we mess up in spades? Every hand. But it has nothing to do with anything. We're redeemed. And if you're redeemed, you're redeemed all the way, and you're redeemed all the time. We're redeemed. What are we redeemed from? Everything that we messed up. Everything. Well, if you only knew. Yeah, we, we've all got a story. We, we know what you did. Not the details, but we know what you did. It was B-A-D. It was not good, but we're redeemed. And so he said uh, in 13, I, I, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth the vision. Not just, not just recovering to do it again, but reaching for, forth unto those things which are before. There's a, there's a reaching forth. There's things that God's got for you that are beyond our appreciation. He is so good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from Father. He is so good. It's the goodness of God that leads us to change. He is so good. And Paul said, I caught it. I got lots in my past. He was, he, he was murdering Christians before the Lord got a hold of him. He'd have still been on it if the Lord hadn't have knocked him off of the horse or whatever it was. Uh, I wrote down here that vision is not a hitchhiker. You've got to put him in the front seat with you. you, got, you we got to put vision up, up way front. Well, i got this to do and that to do. Yes, you do. And that is part of the vision. If you've got to raise your kids, that's part of the vision. The Lord's not asking you to drop your kids off at the orphanage because you've got to call on your life. I had to leave my husband because he just didn't get along with the vision that I had. Well, you're in error, that's for sure. I wrote this. Don't touch what has not been assigned to you. That's the hardest thing you'll do, I think, is to not touch. Because we're so generous, we're so benevolent, we've so, we're got love in us. So if it comes into our sphere of life we, and says, I need you, we, we just want to give ourselves. But while we're putting our hand to things that anybody could do, others could do, others should do, many times the thing that we were uniquely and specifically made for passed behind us undone. People don't like that, but that's, that's how I believe the kingdom is, is I'm assigned. And it makes some people mad when you don't do everything. We could have a soup kitchen here, and we could feed some folks. We could have a clothing thing, and we could clothe some folks. There's the need there, and we could be busy all the time. But there's churches all over town that are doing that, and they're excited about it, and uh, they're doing it for us. Some churches are worship churches. They just spend all their time in that. And I, I love it. And I say yay to them. But that's not us. We, we have to be true to what the Lord's called us to do. And so we will. So, uh, um, so I'll say this and then we'll quit. Ah, it's already over. Do what only you can do. Remember that? in order that you will do all that the foundation before the foundation of the world called you to do. It wasn't like the Lord looked down and one day and says, well, golly, those are hungry folks and we need to get the soup kitchen going. Uh, who can I get? Let's, let's show of hands. 
That's the way we act, but that's not the way it is. We got to do what only we can do so that we will do all that we were called to do before the foundation of the world. A divine assignment that is a mystery. What's a mystery? It's hidden. Not hidden from us, but hidden for us. It's called pursuit. You have to pursue it. And you have to get around all the things that people will say and suppose and how religion works. It's the, it's the blueprint. It's the calling on our lives. Now, I know this is a little detail. This is a little, little minutia here. But we, if we'll just turn our sails into the wind a little bit, the Lord will confirm marvelous things. Everybody's called to lay hands on the sick. But if they're not willing to do that, then obviously he's raised up somebody that says, we'll do it. So we're not doing soup kitchen because we want to lay hands on the sick. And then both sides will be furnished. The soup kitchen will take care of those people in their bodies, and we'll take care of them in another realm. We're not elitist. We're not trying to be bigger than you or more special than you. These people got to live. And you get the, the, the hotline for abused uh, uh, women and children. Gosh, we need that. We need that. But it's just not on. We can't do it all. So we have to find out what are we called to do. And so that's what we'll do. Verse 4 says, I press toward the mark. And that's what we're doing. Press means to pursue with the chance or likelihood of suffering. The willingness to suffer in our pursuit. So is going to church always easy? Is giving always easy? Nah. You know that. I mean, it's easy because we're in faith. But it took faith to get here. But we just press. Y'all press? Obviously, we're pressing. There may be missionaries over there in Africa or in, in the southeast that are pressing more than us. They're eating bugs and, and glad to get them. A little crispy on that other side, if you don't mind. Uh, we, we like them a little crispy on this side. You know, we, we can't even go there. So we just do what we are called to do. Amen. Thank you for tuning in this evening. We appreciate your coming in. Go to, go to riverchurchalabama.org. Riverchurchalabama.org. And you'll find us. We're up. Amen.